Hello and welcome to Yogmon Soap Opera, the classic related podcast brought to the people by the people. I'm your regular co-host Zach, aka Abstractor the Hoff, and I'm here with my other co-host George, aka Whiffy Penguin. What's up, buddy? Heyo, and Artemis is here too. Sorry, guys. No worries. So the cat's here on the as a guest this week on the podcast. Um, right now, guys, just so you know, we're gonna do kind of like a off the cuff. We're going to be uh, recording live, and I'm not going to do any editing because we're doing this last minute, like total pros. So uh, let's go ahead and hop right in, George. Um, what do we got? All right, so we are in the last week of Mog's season for uh, of the Swiss rounds, and we can paint a little bit of a picture of the top eight and try and play Nostradamus as well. Um, going into the pre, which we like to call it, there was a metagame of 12 aggro decks, 6 combo decks, and 6 control decks. And what do we got now there, Zach? What's our top 8 lock look like? Well, top 8 lock, we got uh, Kaunos, who's running Red, Blue, Green, Delver. We got Calavera, who's running Merfolk. We've got Philip J. Fry, who's running Cage Breaker Dredge. And we got two schmucks. Whiffy Penguin running Red, Blue, Green, Grow, and Abstract running Elish Oath. So, uh, the good news is we're in the top eight. The bad news is we don't really know the rest of the top eight, so it's tough to metagame. But those are five that right now we know about. Um, these guys either are there on points or have ID'd in. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, after that we have two guys who are on the bubble with nine points before this round. That's Cantripping running LED Storm. But I believe he was pared down. And we got Tommy Topdecker who's running Mono Blue Delver Snapcaster. Why is he on the bubble? Um, he's paired up against Calavera. Oh, okay. And Calavera has 10 points going into the round. So he can play and Dream Crush. Or he can draw. So that's why Tommy Topdecker's on the bubble. So have you heard from Cal what he's going to do? I have not. Okay. Well, maybe we can follow up with him. Um... See what's going on in the next podcast. We should have the definitive top eight, so I guess it won't even matter by then. Yeah, we can. We might even have you know a top four by the time we record the next one. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, the top eight tends to move pretty quickly after the Swiss rounds. Yeah, it really does because it's only waiting on you know first one's four matchups, second one's two matchups, third one's one matchup. So. Yeah, and you know people are anxious to get it done to see if they're gonna uh, advance. Yeah, everybody wants the classic league cram. So uh, our our definite top eight is three aggro decks, a combo deck, and a control deck. And then if Tommy Topdecker makes it in, that'll be two control decks, a combo deck, and three aggro decks. Yeah, and uh, it's it's kind of interesting to see what's going on. You gotta think Cantripping almost no matter what the matchup almost has an advantage with LED Storm. I really like that deck in this metagame. Well. We'll we'll see when we get to the win and ends. I guess um, what we got going on here that that's really the next section we want to talk about. There is an s ton of people who have six points coming in. You got to think win and end. That means they're two and two. You get three points three points per win per round win. And uh, so that's we have one two three four five six seven eight nine ten six point players. So look at it like this. There are eight spots in this tournament. There are five that are a known substance. There are two that are really close. 
pending those two who are really close getting in, there's one slot left. And that one slot is up for grabs for ten people. There is uh, the Wolf 2, who's running, I assume that's Tiny Affinity. Um, Yuvatha, who's running uh, Noble Fish. Ilskin, who has, I guess that's Scorpio Illusions build. Yep. Um, Cronin, and by the way, looking at this, you kind of got to think Ilskin has the best chance based on what's there, because he ha- he's been paired up. That means he's playing oh. against someone with a higher... Also, the list of people that you're going down is um, tiebreaker order. Okay, so... Coming in, the Wolf 2 is highest tiebreaker. Yuvatha's second. Ilskin's third. Uh, another clanny, Cronin, who's mono blue control. His little homebrew is right there. Uh, Koran34, who was season one champion, is running Gush Bob Tendrils. He's there. Uh, Karakusk, who's a, a longtime player, is Red Workshops. Enderfall, another clanny, is there with LED Bob Storm. Sadly, he's been pared down, so it's going to be kind of tough. Yeah, uh, well, actually, I mean, if he's been paired down, he, they might just say, oh, you know what, Enderfall won. So that he might have a chance based on that, but he's far down on the breakers. The, the, the problem, though, is even if he wins, right, you've got to think all these guys are going to play. Right. His, his tiebreakers coming in are low, and he's going to have an even lower tiebreaker because he's playing someone with a worse record than his. Right, yeah. So he, I mean, he's kind of, you know, double-edged sword there. Yeah, and then next up we got Fishy Fellow playing the most awesome deck of all time, Shove. Um, Naoto, who is surprisingly not higher because he's one of those guys who's so consistent. He's almost he's almost filled in the void of Excorpio, I think I said a couple times here. He's he's been doing really well. Well, I mean, every year there there is like a clear best player, and I think that's uh based on the nature of one the um, player of the year, so we can actually see who's doing the best. And two, I mean, classic players tend to rotate in and out of the format. Yeah, what has the last three been? It was Sick, then Excorpio, then... It was uh, Six, Seven. Well, actually, I think Prolepsis Nine was like the first guy who just dominated the format. Yeah, agreed. So it was and then, Nine. And then it was uh, Six, Seven. Uh-huh. Who may have also been Jerry Thompson. Not Not exactly sure on that. And then um, uh, Excorpio. No, no. Before it was Excorpio, it was uh, Athos the Musketeer. That was a long time ago, bro. I think well, that might have been before. No, so was Prolepsis Nine and Six Seven. I think I think Athos was before them, dude. He hadn't been active in years. Well, Athos and Dunkel Still were both just crushing it in classic for the first uh, player of the year. Yeah, I, I guess you're they, right. That's back when they Dunkel did come was in running first and the second. Dunkel was running black-green back then, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he, he ran Pox pretty much to a second-place finish. Um, and then after that, it was... Oh, who won last year? Oh, I guess Excorpio won last year. Yeah. So th- there was Excorpio. I was doing pretty well for a while. There was uh, Timmins, who was tearing it up. Yeah, Timmins, you know, we mentioned this in another podcast. That was an odd situation. That was almost like... He got mad and he just quit because he was mad, not because he waned in interest. So that was a weird one. But yeah, um, and then and then yeah, now we've got Naoto who's just been crushing like everything. He won. Uh, we talked about it last week. He won the Ham on Fry European event as well. 
I'm kind of interested to see what Naoto does, because one of the really big things, there's been a couple of guys who play the same deck over and over and just do really well with it, which is 6-7 played Storm pretty much over and over again. Um, Excorpio switched it up all the time. That was kind yeah. of, I, I thought that was awesome. He had new decks every week. And most of them were, you know, he built them, too. Yeah, dude, he was running some strange stuff, like those strawberry shortcake decks with red, black, <laughs> oh my god, I love that name. I, I, I Yeah, I thought about that the other week. I was like, Strawberry Shortcake. That, anyway, that is a good name. Um, lastly, and we don't want to forget about this guy, this nice little Frenchman here, Mr. DigiDigi84. He's rocking Cagebreaker Dredge, and sadly he has the lowest tiebreaker. So it kind of sucks for both Naoto and Digi because they're the lowest tiebreakers and they're playing each other. So that's right. Well, I mean, it kind of sucks for everybody who has six points. I don't know if, if I think, I think it's between the wolf and Yuvatha unless Ilskin wins. Um, if Ilskin wins, who is he up against cantripping? If Ilskin wins, I think that he's the only one of the six pointers who gets in. And I think cantripping would stay in. Yeah. Yeah. Cause cantrip. Well, actually, yeah, no, his, well, I mean, cantrippings, let me see if I can actually pull up the standings right quick while we wax poetic about this, because uh, cantripping is at the bottom of the nine-point tiebreakers. Oh, so you think maybe his percentages might even go down. Yeah, like some of the six-pointers percentages might go up. So let's see here. Uh, Classic League Season 4, page 2, and standings. So, um, let's see here. We've got Cantripping. Ooh. Cantripping has a 41.5 OMW. That's not good. That, that's terrible. Um, the Wolf 2 is at 70. That's Yuvatha's at 64. Ilskin's at 64. Cronin's at 62. Um, and then all of the rest of the players have in between 50 and 40. Yeah, after Cronin, they kind of fall off a cliff, don't they? So, I mean, I don't think any of these guys, uh, Corrin, Karakus, Enderfall, Fishy, Fellow, Naoto, or Digi can actually make the top eight. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, there's going to be something going on here. Something will be surprising at the end. It always happens in these ladder tournaments. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we've also got the matchups. Um, Naoto is going to be playing against Digi, so that's the Gushbond versus Cagebreaker Dredge. That's going to be an interesting match. I think Cagebreaker Dredge should take that, don't you? Uh, I agree with you. I mean... Naoto has definitely surprised us before with his deck against Dredge, and it could happen again, but my gut says Cagebreaker. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's basically like Bizarre Bust, so you never know. Bizarre, just like Season 2, the last match, dude, Bizarre can prove itself very elusive in that opening hand. That, that's true. So, um, yeah, uh, some of these matchups are really looking spicy, dude. Um yeah, the mono blue control versus the gush bob tendrils with.
So, uh, yeah, Cronin versus Corrin with the Mono Blue Control and Gush. Um, you kind of want to lean a little bit towards Mono Blue Control because it's got more counter spells in it than the combo E deck does. But the Gushes can get around Cronin's Back to Basics. Yeah, cr- Gushes can get around Back to Basics. And the other thing that I think is really important about this game, um, Gush is just, look... The point of that blue deck that Cronin's has is to slowly wrap your hands around the neck of the opposition. The point of that Gush deck is to explode all over your face. So one of them's really like, you know, straddling the line between like, you're in control, I'm in control. The other one's like, if I ever get control, I'm going to win. You know what I mean? I'm talking about, of course, the, the Gush deck. If they ever start going off, it's hard to stop that chain. It, it definitely is hard to stop it. So... I guess, I guess basically it's if Corrin can figure out the right spots to go for it. Yeah, I mean, I, and, I, and I really think um, Cronin's got to just protect that fast bond from hitting the table. Good. So yeah, stopping the fast bond is probably the best way to do it. Because Cronin doesn't have a fast clock, so the fast pawn can just sit there, and he can bait out counter spells. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think I think that's kind of like the crux of the matter. Obviously, a couple gushes are going to resolve. That's a, that's a terrible spell to counter because it's almost like you don't really have any value out of it. And usually, it's got to be force of will anyway. So you kind of like got. Usually, you got to let the gushes resolve. I think. So, yeah, after that, this is the interesting matchup with Can Tripping and uh, Ilskin. Um, Ilskin's not going to... It's LED Storm versus Illusions? It's LED Storm versus... In one, of, in one of the top eights, I think it was the one that Danger Linto ran, uh, the finals was... LED Storm versus Illusions, and Illusions beat it. You gotta think that, um, I guess Illusions has a better chance than most. It's running cards like Spell Pierce, Spell Snare, I think? Uh, maybe it's not running Spell Snare, but it's running a ton of stuff like Days, Force of Will, um, just a bunch of cards that are just good for the matchup. Yeah, it's got like... 22 counter spells in the main deck if you count Stifle. Uh, yeah, I, I played this guy early on, and I mean, I actually think I played him round one. Um, the sad thing is for this matchup, obviously, I'm like the worst because I have Elish Norn, and illusions just die. Right. Um, but most people can't deal with a bunch of small creatures, and that's what this deck aims to do. The other, the other problem I could see, you know, making a difference is that Cantripping doesn't have any Dark Confidants to help get to a critical mass to get past the three or four counter spells in Ilskin's hand. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I think that matchup's going to be interesting. I would kind of like to watch it play. Obviously, you can't message him and be like, hey, when are you going to play? But um, that would be an interesting one to watch, I think. So, uh, after that, we've got Yubatha with Affinity versus, or I'm sorry, Yubatha's Noble Fish 
versus the Wolf 2 with Affinity. And both of these guys have really high tiebreakers. So if Ilskin loses, one of them will make the top eight. I'm trying to think who I like in this matchup. Does the Noble Fish have, like, Kotaki or anything on the sideboard? Uh, let me take a quick look. What's his name? Uvatha? Control... No, I think it's the Wolf... Oh, yeah, 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 Uvatha. Alright, so the Uvatha has four Pride Mages main deck. Which is um, good. Three Porcelain Legionnaire. Um, they, can, they can block and kill everything. Uh, he's got two Jits, which are pretty good. And... What's Spirit and Dow? Spirit and Dow is a card that you can forecast. I don't know if you remember. It's from... I believe, original Ravinica in the Azorius Guild. Uh -huh. So you can forecast for white and a blue, which means during your upkeep, reveal the card and do the effect. And the effect is white and a blue, creature gains shadow. Dude, I can't believe this guy's running Cephalid Constable. Yeah, give it shadow and give it uh, two or three exalted triggers and the game's over. That's really crazy. Big props on the... Uh... I never noticed that when we went through all these decks. Not only that, this guy's got preachers in the sideboard. Yeah, so <laughs> this was a tough matchup that I somehow survived. So he's got four Pride Mage, three, um, what's it called, Porcelain Legionnaire, two Jits, and then on the sideboard, he's got three Flux, a third Jit, and then three Preachers. That's nuts. So I feel like he might lose game one, but I don't know. He Game two on the play, he might probably get. And then game three, if uh, the Wolf doesn't have an explosive draw, he might get there. Well, see, this is something that, if you remember, I got in kind of a, a mini argument with Montolio about energy flux and serenity. Everybody kept saying, oh, energy flux, energy flux. And I was saying, dude, serenity is just better against these decks. They'll just... Throw everything on one creature and pay the two mana and go. And yeah, like, I, I agree. Energy Flux is terrible versus Affinity. I wouldn't even bring it in. Um, It's great versus Workshop if you can ever get the six mana to play but it. Even then, it's three mana before the Sphere effects. I just don't think it's it's a great card. I don't know. It's, it's not the same card in a format without Black Lotus that it is in Vintage. There you go. Right, that's fair. Black Lotus and Moxon, dude. Just doing that turn two would be all the difference. Lands be damned. Obviously, you're going to lose your mocks, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So, um, the last matchup is Karakusk with Red Workshop versus Fishy Fellow, who is playing Shoth. Um, Shoth against Red Workshops? Let me look at the Red Workshops. I have an idea what's in Shoth, but, um... Karakusk. Uh, JK. Okay, so. Mediocre, mediocre, mediocre. Corn, silver, gold. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is. So he's, he's got, got a mind four flavor. thorn. Four thorn. Um, I don't even. Four lodestone, four sphere. He's got to have the trinosphere, yeah. So he's got 13 Sphere. I think all this guy's really got to worry about is 13 Sphere. 
Uh, he's also got Majors of the Moon, which could be a problem. But if he gets Majors of the Moon down, that means he's drawn pretty crappy lands like... Uh, uh, mountain. What? A mountain and a freaking uh, City of Traitors or uh, the other Ancient Tomb. So Well, and see, the thing about Magus of the Moon is it doesn't turn off Lotus Petal, and it turns on with the Druids. And it turns off Mistress Workshop. Well, yeah, so... <laughs> I mean... A turn one... Can he produce a turn one Magus of the Moon? Does he have does, a Mana Crypt? Yep. Does it, so, yeah, a turn one Magus of the Moon could easily just lose to a, mount, a basic mountain or whatever the Oath player plays, and then Lotus Petal Oath. Now, he does have the ultimate lockout, which is the uh, Welder and the uh, Mind uh, Slaver. So... Um, I don't think his deck is built to have that recur infinitely. Mm. Alright, even once every other turn would be just ridiculous. I, I agree with that. Um, anyway, so I gotta think I... I think it all depends on what the... Like, if I were going to play this matchup, the thing I'd be worried about more than anything else, besides obviously getting an oath, is high land count. If I had three lands and, like... Two mediocre cards, I'd keep it. Yeah, you you definitely want to have like you want you want to play like seven lands against workshops. Yeah, I, I remember I used to board in lands against workshop. So it's a decent strategy. So we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, and he's playing against two. You, you what was the other guy's name? Fishy fellow. Uh, Fishy fellow and Caracas. Take a quick look at how much land this guy's running. One trap, one underground, one bayou, four orchard, four misty. Yeah, he's like me. He's real landlight. Dude, this guy's so landlight, it's kind of ridiculous. Two, four, five. Uh, I can't. Nine, nine. 13, 14, 15, 16. Yeah, he's running 16 lands, bro. Uh, that can't be right. It's gotta be like 18 17 with Forest. Wow. Yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe the workshops will get it based on the mana count. I mean, we'll see. I kind of like that Fishy Fellow added the Jaces to the sideboard. I actually mentioned that's one of the things I really missed in that deck was more Jace. Yeah, and it's, it's an extra win condition. It's, it's really too bad you can't show until it Jace. I know, it should be target permanent. Right? Could you imagine if you could show and tell like Karn Silver Golem or Nickel Bolas Planeswalker? Oh, yeah, that would be that would be kind of unfair. Oh man, if only show and if only show and tell were made. Well, it wouldn't be made now, but if only Planeswalkers were a type back in Urza's block. Yeah, I was cracking up playing Time Spiral block. I didn't even notice they had things like tribal enchantment creatures and stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, so that's how like the classic leagues going right now. We'll have uh, we'll have some more in depth info coming up here, but it's really starting to come down to the grind. It's getting exciting, like it always does this time of year, and uh, we got guaranteed three out of eight Magic Eternal members in there. Uh, possibly squeak in a fourth if Cronin or Enderfall get extremely lucky. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens next week. Yeah, and it's funny that we we do have three in a shot when last week we were talking about how we've just been eating each other alive the entire event. I know, man. I played so many Magic Eternal members. 
I was like, okay, endless nameless, god dang it. Next round, Enderfall. He's like, oh my god! I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> so, anyway, I mean, like like I told him before we started, though, I'd rather lose to a clan mate, so we'll see what happens. Yep. Um, we actually did fire a daily event two weeks ago. Uh, we didn't get to it last week because we had the extra stuff about uh, Avacyn Restored. But this, this event had... 12 Mishra's Workshops in it out of 20 uh, possible slots. Four of them won the event. That is interesting. And this... The funny thing is the deck that won the event is definitely not the kind of workshop deck you usually just put two and two together on, but it's the one that's overtaken the original, and that is the uh, the Affinity build. And I don't know, I mean, at this point... I mean, I guess it's so ingrained from the last, you know, million years of saying Workshop Deck and thinking uh, Spheres, but I think Workshop Deck refers to Affinity at this point. <coughs> I can't do it. Yeah, I agree. Tradition is hard to break. I'm, uh, but, I'm, I'm sorry, I just don't think Affinity is that freaking... I don't know, it's not that powerful. It's just like fast. Oh, Zach, you have to play it. It is that powerful. No, I've played against it so much, bro. It's 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 goofy. It's a bunch <laughs> of zero ones and some counters. It might it might be goofy, and I know that you're biased against it. But the deck is the deck is powerful. You'll say it the is, same thing about it, Illusions when Illusions was winning all those events. Are you going to say that today that Illusions is one of the best decks in the format? No, I hated Illusions back then. But it was really powerful. It no, it was good for the metagame. This deck is actually powerful. I poo poo on that. It's the deck. The deck is actually just a powerful deck. I don't think it's just good for the metagame. Because if it was just good for the metagame, I think it would have been shifted out by now. Mm, I think it's good for the metagame because no one's expecting factories anymore or workshops anymore. Oh, that I bet if you asked uh, every classic player who joins event. If I asked every classic player that joined events, come on. You ask every classic player, they would say that Affinity is a tier one deck and that they are well aware of it when they build their main and sideboard. Tier one, I don't know. 1.5. No. No, your bias is not good enough, Zach. This is a tier one deck. No. I can't, no! I mean, like, <laughs> it's, it, look, it used to be stacks, but it hasn't replaced stacks at the top of the Trinity. It's really. I think, if anything, Storm has come in and taken over that spot. As far as power level goes. Because there were four decks at the top. It was Oath, Stax, um, Dredge, uh, and Fish. Dredge and Fish, yeah. And what I'm saying now is I think it's more like... It did well in this event. It's a 4-0, though, bro. It's like it won four games. It, it's not like a... A deciding factor, and it won, and it can't be questioned anymore. It's a good do you, deck. Do you forget about play. the celebration? Huh? This deck was the third best deck in the celebration events. That's when it was just like hot, though. But still, it was consistently the third best over like thirty events. That's I, t how can that not be tier one to you? I just say this, bro. It 4 of this event. It won four games. But the other two workshop decks are actual workshop decks. Well, I agree with that. I, I agree with that 100%. This is a... 
This is a hyper-aggressive fish deck, but it's still Tier 1. And, like, the worst part about this, the thing that I just can't stand... Is Genesis Chamber? No! Is that this freaking deck won with no sphere effects outside of Lodestone Golem? Well, it doesn't play any sphere effects. That's the point of Workshop! It puts you behind, it doesn't speed you up! Well, <laughs> this deck makes you fast. No. You just like it because you played it. Uh, I do still play it. I, I have this deck built, and I play it every now and then. It's, it's awesome. Gross. It's gross. My, my copy has four memory jars and no steel overseers, though. When you're rocking Frogmite, Signal Pest, Steel Overseer, Genesis Chamber, and freaking crap like that, excuse my French, I'm not impressed. I mean, it did well, and no offense, Magic Man, I tested this a lot with you. I like the deck, and I think it's good. But I don't think it's a pillar of the format. I don't. Anyway, you do. A lot of other people you say do. I won't harp on it anymore. We'll go on to the next deck. All right, next up is Chancellor Gilbert. Uh, Magic Turtle represent. Fist, uh, Fist Pound. He yeah. is playing Blue-Red Standstill. Blue-Red And this deck is interesting. It, this, again, is... I wouldn't say this is a Tier 1 deck, but this is definitely a powerful deck. Yeah, um, I, I love me the Viachino Heretic. Good time. The numbers are so weird. <laughs> I agree with you, especially for a deck that's not running tutors. But it's no tutors, a singleton spell bomb, two mental misstep, which I think even you've come around to. It's one of the best possible counters ever. Yeah, I, I always start my list with three, and then most of the time end up with a fourth, either in the main deck or the sideboard. Uh, two Bolt and two Gutch. It's just so awkward. Um, you gotta you gotta love drawing those value spells though. Like every time you draw the Echoing Truth, right when you need it, it's a ball buster. I love it. Yeah, but I don't know. Uh, like I, I always think to myself, I like running Singletons, but the Singletons I run are usually Demonic Tutor, Tinker, Yogmoth's <laughs> Will. Um, his sideboard has. Uh, let's see, four ley lines. He's got the energy flux, which I, you know, we both say we don't like. And a null. Dude, I just, I, the only thing that I just really don't get. Is the one Yixla Jailer? No, that, that's fine. I understand he's up in his uh, hate for the dredge. He's got the Spellbomb main, four ley lines, and a Yixla Jailer, and three surgicals. That's a ton of hate. But he's running Underground Sea. He's running Underground Sea, and he's not running Demonic, Vampiric, or any of the best spells in black. It makes well, me want to pull my hair out. That's that's what this deck does. Um, the other standstill version plays blue and white, and they don't run the, the tutors either. But that's blue and white. It doesn't have Underground Sea. The, the <laughs> Demonic Tutor will never hurt you. It will never hurt you. It'll get you a Jace. It'll get you a standstill. It'll get you a middle misstep. It'll get you a force of will when you're ahead. It'll get the crucible to get your strip mine. It will never hurt you. I don't get it. Yeah, I mean... Vampiric is debatable. This guy wants card advantage. He's running um, library. I understand he wants the card advantage. Maybe not vampiric. But demonic tutor should be there. Um, Other than that, though, his deck is... Pretty well suited for the decks we're looking at at the top of the metagame. If you look here, I already mentioned we have two more workshop-enabled stacks to bit lists. 
And we also have the workshop-enabled affinity list. So he's running a lot of hate for that kind of stuff. I hate to say it, but Echoing Truth is great in that matchup. A lot of the time what those decks will do is they'll put a bunch of counters on one thing with an Arcbound Ravager, or they'll be hoping that the Skull Clamp will you know, start going on a chain and you just return it to hand. You can really, really, really do some cool stuff with Echoing Truth against both of those kinds of decks. Um, especially you know, the, the Stacks decks that use the, uh, the Metamorphs to copy, to copy things. You know, you two-for-one them and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's great in that matchup for Dredge. We've already mentioned his his lineup of counter spells against other blue decks. He's got a million counter spells: four force, four mana drain, two misstep, four two pierce, two snare. That's a lot. Yeah, and spell. I mean, spell snare doesn't really do too much against the other force of will decks. It does do a number on fish, though. Oh, and of course, I can't forget the ultimate mize against these uh, workshop decks. He has the singleton Vishano heretic. Yeah, I, lo- I love me the red blow-up-your-face guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a good deck. Uh, Chantry, I'm going to ask you about Demonic and Client, but that's it. Um, next up is another Magic Tunnel member, and he's running a traditional workshop deck. Yeah, this is Adrian or Bat Guds, and yeah, I agree. This is, uh, this is something that he was running a lot. Not um, maybe this exact deck, but this kind of deck. Yeah, I mean we've got we've got lodestone, and then we've got like big man, big guys. We've got metal worker, metamorph, and steel hellkite all as twos. Um, and then he's running smokestack and tanglewire. So this is like full on traditional stacks deck. I really think the Grafdigger's Cave gives these decks so much reach against, like, Dredge and Oath, the two kinds of decks that just traditionally crack their face open. And he's got four of them in the sideboard. I mean, that's just, it's so good. It gives him four of them plus four Metamorphs after sighting those in. So he could just... And a Caracas. Yeah. That Caracas can be a blowout. First-hand knowledge, trust me. Um... Um... So, yeah, I mean, congrats getting Workshop into the money in a hostile environment, so to speak. Definitely. You know what's funny? You just made me think about when you said hostile environment. Workshop went away because Delver was everywhere. Where the hell is Delver? Um, It could be possible that Affinity is pushing it out. No. Affinity is a oh, faster, Affinity. better deck. Yeah, yeah. yeah, those are just better and faster little dudes, for sure. Um, so, next up, what do we got? Gaines, uh, one of the Lotus Farmer men. There's your your Delvers. Yeah, he's running Delvers. I guess you just gotta prove me wrong right after I say it. Um, Gaines Banning's running the, I guess, is that three color? Three color Delver? And... Canic, and Underground, and a Tropical. Four color. Yeah, I guess it's four with the Ancient Grudge and the, uh... Trigons and stuff like that. So it's it four color. That's it's interesting. He's going for it. Not only that, Gaines Banding here, he's a ballsy son of a gun because he's running four colors with five colorless land destruction. That is yeah. ballsy. And days. Holy crap he's ballsy. But yeah, props to him. Looks like he went three one and uh, knocked it out of the park with this one. I love the sea singer attack on the sideboard, lots of fun. He is uh, definitely geared towards beating the snot out of creatures with Edicts, Dismembers, Bolts, and a Jit in the main deck. And a Sower. 
Yeah, you got to think he's kind of ready for the affinity matchup more than this deck traditionally is with the Singleton, Ancient Grudge, stuff like, uh, you know, Days is so good against that deck because, you know, as you know, Workshop can't pay with with that mana. Yeah, and I mean, Umazal is shit. That is, that is a backbreaker versus affinity. Yeah. It's just good. Um, so, yeah, uh, Gains Banding, definitely a sweet deck. Um, lots of wizards and lots of good stuff. Yeah, so this deck does have, what, 4, 8, 12. It has 12 humans in it. Um, are they all wizards? It, this deck could play Cavernous Souls it's, it's and got, not get any got, of its guys counterspelled. It's got 13 wizards, counting Sower. Yeah, so you could, maybe he could be ballsy and go up to six, uh, or no, it wouldn't be colorless, it would produce all four colors. What's that? The Cavern of Souls. Oh, I, was, guys, I thought you were going to go the Riptide Laboratory route, because I could just imagine how devastating Riptide Laboratory would be with the Sower of Temptation. No, but think of it this way, uh, you know, turn one, Cavern of Souls, name Wizard, Delver of Secrets, you can't mental misstep it. Yeah, Delver Dirt. Secrets, then Dark Confidant, then Snapcaster. That'd be pretty ridiculous. Yeah, that, that might I, I be mean, classic play. It wouldn't. It wouldn't help you cast your Lightning Bolts, Dazes, or Brainstorms, but it would make it so that your guys didn't get counterspelled, That's, and you could play is, all of them. And it does produce ca- colorless for stuff. So eh. you can still do stuff like uh, Dismembers. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This kind of deck looks like it might be useful in there. I know you listen to this game's banding. Why don't you tell us what you think? And, yeah. So, next up we got Fishy Fellow. Uh, last guy to money in this event. He went 3-1. And what was he running, Mr. George? Another traditional workshop deck. This one is more of the aggro slant with Slash Panthers. And Precursor Golems and then the uh, little Revoker guys. Yeah, and I still remember when Slash Panther started to get big, and I kind of poo-pooed it. At this point, I mean, I'll kind of take it back, just because it's so good behind a sphere effect. Um, it's just hard to deal with. But you notice a lot of the guys now, like, especially back then, it was really good with the sphere effect. But a lot of these guys who have any red in them are splashing lightning bolts, and they're just really good against stuff like that. Yeah, I agree with you. Like uh, Karakusk from the League. Yep, Karakus from the League and Gaines Bandings rocking four main. Um, who else? Chantry Gilbert had a couple. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, I think that if you're running red in a blue deck, it's four uh, lightning bolts. And maybe like Ancient Grudge or something like that. Yeah, I suppose so. I think it's more the lightning bolt, though. Yeah, that's... I don't know, man. I still... Maybe, maybe not Oath of Druids. Like, Oath of Druids probably doesn't care about the lightning bolts. Like, it's weird, dude. I know Lightning Bolt's amazing. And I'm not saying anything bad about it or anything else, because it's, like, probably one of the best. It's it's up there with, like, uh, the original three-for-ones, like the Giant Growth, Ancestral uh, Recall, Lightning Bolt. Um, I know what you're saying. It just seems kind of poor against, like, Workshop, uh, Bazaar, and Oath of Druids. Yeah, it's just, I never have, like, gotten off playing a Lightning Bolt, ever. I'm not like, ooh, this is powerful. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just personal opinion. I'm more interested in playing, like, <laughs> Pernicious Deed and crap like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to blow up the world on turn 17. That's powerful. I hate you all. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's the event. I-, I thought it was pretty cool, pretty varied. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of tip of the hat to the old school here, a little bit of new school with the Affinity and the uh, the Delver deck. It's 
A lot of uh, graph diggers cages here. We got four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, fourteen graph diggers cages in the top winter decks. That's a lot, bro. Four, six, ten. What? He's not running any. Uh, fourteen. Yeah, I, I count fourteen. That's that's crazy. So, uh, yeah, that card is having an effect. Uh, it's not really that quiet either. It's one of the cards we were waiting to see what would happen with it. But it looks like it's there, and it's there to stay. I'm going to worry about that in the top eight, dude. I don't want to see any Graph Diggers cages. Oh, you know what? My deck doesn't care about Graph Diggers cage at all. Yeah, agreed. But your deck cares uh, a lot about getting one of how many creatures out? Five? <laughs> and my one of Artful Dodge that I can't tutor for. <laughs> uh. The, right. the Artful Dodge won me a game, and if I hadn't misplayed in a previous match, it would have won me a second game. So, I think it's pretty good. There you go. I mean, I think it could be too, but you have to have the guy out there for it. I can imagine how aggravating it would be if you're waiting for a top deck and you hit an Artful Dodge. <laughs> yeah. That's worse than um, a land. So, uh, another another pretty big thing for Classic is that the schedule is changing. Um, I believe that with the May 23 downtime, they are going to change the schedule around, and Classic will get its schedule changed. So maybe, just maybe, we can get some people playing in events that they can actually play in. Your cat sounds excited about that. He is. Artemis is like, I can't believe it. Classic. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, mean, I think i got to admit, every time these Classic Leagues come around, Personally, I get a little bit more excited, you know. As you know, I don't play in a lot of daily events, so this kind of thing for me is like my competition. I like it a lot. So, you know, we heard from some people who have been in the last ones. I think it was Blue Diamond who's like, hey, you know, we should email. And, and I think really what um, – what I haven't really talked to you about this, George, but I'll go ahead and spring it on you now. I do think that gave me an idea, the Blue Diamonds, and I think we should start a Classic League uh, email list. And if anybody's interested, uh, I'll, I'll put something like that together. If you want me to, I'll keep your emails private, and I'll email you guys maybe a week before the Classic Challenges start. I'll just make a, um, a contact list in my, in my email program there. And I'll make sure everybody gets a reminder just in case you're away from Classic Quarter or dipping your head out of the format or whatever. So if you or your buddy or somebody like that wants to get in there and get the uh, advance notice, I'll do my best to get that out um, I'm sure George will help me out if I need it, and uh, I think it'd be cool. I think the more people, the better for these kind of events. Yeah, we could, uh, you know, make some kind of media effect to get people like, hey, classic event tonight, be there. There you go. I, and really, that would be kind of what it would be for. It would be like a, a rallying cry for the community. So if you guys have any interest in that or have any ideas how to make an idea like that better, uh, leave it in the comments. Let us know, you know. PM us if you see us online. Um, yeah, I, I think that would be really cool. And uh, thanks, Blue Diamonds, for giving me the idea there. So, yeah, this uh, this will be either the last week or the second to last week of the current Classic schedule, which hasn't been doing much this year so far. What are they changing, by the way? Uh, they're changing, like, the time slots, and they're getting rid of... There won't be any more extended events. There won't be any more 100-card standard singleton events or kaleidoscope. Man. <laughs> I know some people like those formats, but those all mean jack crap to me. 
I think Extended is well and truly dead now that Modern is here. Yeah, Modern looks fun. I just, yeah. I don't know. I, I can't bring myself to buy, like, uh, fake duels. Well, you probably won't have to. You'll most likely be able to draft them next year. And you know me. If I can draft dual lands, I draft. Yeah, it, it's going to be awesome. So, guys, yeah, I, I don't really know what else to add this week. Like I said, we were doing this on the fly. You got anything else you want to throw in there, buddy? Uh, no, that's that's about it. Uh, I guess next week we'll do the top eight, but uh, maybe add in the comments what else you want us to do besides talk about the top eight next week. Yeah, by the way, I, I really do want to hear some feedback, and I really haven't heard much yet on the uh, on you guys' predictions for Abbott and Restored. Um, we were talking in this episode about, you know, what is it, Cavern of Souls? Is that the name of it? Yeah. And that's a card that we haven't really, you know, gone on topic about, just because it's going to be so big and standard, obviously. But who knows? It could see plastic. Well, what about, like, elves, dude? Yeah, I tried to say that last week, and you poo-pooed all over me. I, I don't think it's good. I'm just trying to think of decks that it could fit in. You know what I mean? I even, I even said elves. And you're like, why would they want red mana? Red mana? Uh, I, don't, I don't know what your argument against it was. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know either. I don't really remember. But I was like, I was like, humans, blue deck. And you're like, eh, awesome and standard, not going to see classic play. Yeah, but like in classic, how many creatures are you dying to counterspell? Uh, usually not a lot. But the I mean, you have a primeval good. titan in standard, and it's like, oh, crap, if I don't counter that, they're going to put a wolf run in play and run over my face five times in a row unless I have a ghost quarter, which sucks. Or, well, it, w it would be cool if they named titan, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It would be there really are, funny. There are no titans, they're giants. You know what I want to see? Somebody, somebody come up with a ramp deck for classic. That would be freaking awesome. Oh man, how would you even how would you even attempt it? Uh, something with Braid of Fire. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna play Braid of Fire and then the new card from Avison Resort that lets you cast spells as instance. Exactly, but it costs blue and green and you're producing red. Right, right. So you're playing <laughs> you're playing a four color deck. Blue, red, green, and black for the demonic tutor. And we have to throw white in there for that stupid spell that lets you play creatures as flash. <laughs> Um, another card that we may have missed, um, is the blue red land. It taps for colorless, and then for one blue red you can tap it, draw a card, discard a card. That is really good. Um, cause, is it, it's not at random? No, you draw a card and discard a card. I mean, that, that's so good. First of all, I can't begin to say how good that is in the limited format. But in constructed format, man, wow. With it's, so like a reverse, like, it's like a reverse library of Alexandria. With so many cards like Think Twice and Forbidden Alchemy and stuff like that that just net card advantage, that is so good. What about uh, what about things like Mindslaver and Goblin Welder? Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, the Merfolk Looter effect's always been good, no matter what the format is. Yeah, so I, I didn't see that card last week when I built up the little, uh, you know, good for classic spoiler. Uh, in full disclosure, I think there's about 101 colorless lands that are better than that, including and not limited to four Library of Alexandria's. 
But, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, anyway, uh, sorry to go off on the extra tangent, guys. Um, as always, we want to thank our hosts and our sponsors, puremtgo.com and mtgotraders.com, respectively. Uh, check them out for good prices on all your needs, standard, classic, limited, and uh, everything else. I think that's about it this week for me, guys. Uh, I really appreciate coming in, and uh, see you next week. Yeah, have a good week, guys. Talk to you soon, Georgie. Bye.